If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 9, 37. The title of my message today is Remember the Geese. Now, I don't want you to forget about the geese. We're going to talk about that uh, later in the morning. The scripture says the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. The potential of any evangelical church is never in question. If the Holy Spirit is guiding and empowering the church, it will prevail and it will complete its mission. We know that. Uh, Its mission is the same that it has had down through the centuries. The potential of the church is what worries us. The anxiety that grows in many hearts stems from the disparity between the potential and what is actual in many churches across America. Our potential is obvious. We have just had two men retire from our staff that have served the Lord forever. I mean forever. They are great men, godly men that did a great job for so many years. And we hated to see them retire, but it was time, and they did. Uh, Dr. Townsend has plenty of academic training. Brother Jim does. Uh, We're thankful for them. The three of us have 111 years full-time experience in uh, church work. That's a lot. Uh, You know, I'm happy about that. It makes you think uh, that we might know what we're doing. Uh, you know, if, you, if you've been around doing it that long, we are a church on a main road. That really helps. You know, when you're on the main road, everybody ought to know where you are. Now, we have had some uh, discussion about that. We were kind of behind some trees, and for years and years, a lot of people thought this was a medical building. But uh, as we put up that sign out there, that has been great. And now we have a lot more visitors and a lot more people know who we are and and where we are, and that's great. For 42 years, we've been on this spot, and uh, God has certainly used it to reach and touch a lot of folks. Did you know that there are over 20 million Baptists in America? Did you know that? That's a lot, over 20 million And Baptists have uh, come to be known for certain things. We are a very evangelistic group. Uh, We give invitations. You know, most of the churches don't give invitations. We give invitations. We want people to make a decision for Christ, to join his church. Uh, We're evangelistic. We're mission-minded. We have missionaries all over the world. Uh, we're training those and trying to help those that they can serve Christ in a, in a strong way. And Baptists are also known as a people that believe the book. We believe the word of God. We teach it. We preach it. Uh, it's, it's central in who we are and what we're about, uh, of expounding the word of God. That's important. Trinity now, for the first time, has plenty of of educational space. We just finished this building. We're thankful to God for that. It worked out great. With the hospital putting in that uh, huge parking lot over there, uh, for the first time, we're going to have all the parking that we need. And we're thrilled to death about that. 
Now, there's going to be some barriers up. There's a little wall out there now and a little thing. So uh, we might have to wait a week or two more. Or you can pull in on that side over there and come in and park. But they've told us that we're welcome to park there. Now, when, when it really opens up and all the walls and barriers are gone, then everybody that takes walks and everybody that plays any kind of sports and everybody that enjoys walking, we want you to park over there. <laughs> because, uh, you know, some people that pull in, uh, if they don't have a place to park, uh, you know, they just keep driving. They go somewhere else. And we want to have parking as close to the building as we can for people that perhaps have some trouble walking or something like that. So please, when those uh, little barriers are gone, uh, park over there. Now, we also can park at the dentist offices and uh, over there and, and all around here now. So that need has been met. Praise God. We're so uh, thankful for all of that. We have a lot of great Bible teachers in this church. That's exciting to me. We have a lot of great prayer warriors in our church that you ask them to pray, they'll pray. And uh, they'll pray until the Lord answers. We have a lot of very friendly people who want to see God bless our church. We're thankful for that. The potential is with us. The potential is here. The fields are white unto harvest, the scripture says. In other words, there are a lot of people out there that have never come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. There are many thousands of people. Now, you might say, no, there's not that many. There's thousands of people within 10 miles of our church. You know, they're putting up houses everywhere, all the time, all around us. Did you know that? Uh, Tom just moved in a, a brand new subdivision down on uh, 301, just south of uh, the road here. And, and they're, just, they're just building them everywhere. And that's wonderful because that's going to give us an opportunity to reach more people uh, for the Lord. Now, all of those people, a lot of them have uh, no worship going on in their life. A lot of them have no Bible study going on in their life. A lot of them are not growing spiritually during these days. The harvest for Christ is out there, and I hope, and I know that you hope, that the world harvest would begin in a very aggressive way, because we want to be a part of that. We want to see that. We want to observe that happening not only around us, but within us. That would be an honor to the Lord. The Lord always needs more laborers in the field. And every few years, uh, there's a shortage of strawberry pickers. And I know those guys that own those fields, they just about go crazy when they see all these pretty uh, red, ripe strawberries sitting out there, and they don't have enough people to pick them. Well, you know, it's the same in the Lord's work. Uh, The harvest is there. There's a lot of folks to reach with the gospel message, but the laborers are few, and we're always trying to enlist more, to be in kind of a reach-out mindset, that we can touch people and and bring people in. Uh, Jim had uh, sort of a high, fancy uh, 
group here yesterday that played. And, you know, uh, classical music really attracts a certain uh, number of people. We had a crowd here yesterday uh, to hear them play. They did a great job. And, you know, that's, a, that's an opportunity to reach out, to touch others uh, for the Lord. Uh, all of these things help us. We have all kinds of potential to do what we want to do. Our church membership is not declining, thank the Lord, like a lot of churches are. We don't have any staff discontent. We all get along real well. Thank the Lord for that. I was on a staff one time years ago where the, some of the ministers didn't speak to each other. Uh, it was unbelievable, but that was, that was the way it was. We have an active deacon body here. They're great uh, guys, great men that are wanting to serve the Lord and are serving the Lord. We have an active missions organization in our church. That's wonderful. We're trying to support missionaries all around the world. Our stewardship picture is not bleak. Uh, our financial giving has increased every year. We're thankful for that. We have many people that are really hoping and praying for a great revival, not only in our church, in our town, in our area, in our state, in our country, but literally all around the world. And, and you know, they not only want it uh, uh, tangentially, you know, a little bit, they're standing off to the side kind of thinking about it every once in a while. We actually have a group here that meets on Sunday, on Monday morning at uh, 11 o'clock down in the fellowship hall, and we pray for revival. We pray that God would bring a mighty revival uh, to our country, to our land, and literally around the world. I wonder what our church could be and what our church could do if all of our hearts were just really stirred by the Holy Spirit of God. I hope and pray every week as I preach that everybody that's in the house, everybody that's in the congregation, that has never trusted and believed in Christ, would make a decision for him, would come forward and say, you know, I want to give my heart, my soul to him. I, I think and pray about uh, every uh, week during the week that all of those that visit with us will decide, well, this is the time, and they would come and join with us and become a part of the laborer workforce that goes out to reach other people for our risen Savior. You know, the laborers are few, but we want to add to the laborers. We want to have more and more and more laborers so we can do the job, so we can bring in the harvest that is there and, and obviously there for us to come and get it. I always pray that the Lord would bless our church. We have a great church. Uh, it really hurts me when uh, some sharp people in the church don't really do anything. You know, they come on Sunday morning and, and just uh, kind of sit there, and, and that's good. Of course, we're thankful for that. We're glad they're here. But we want people to ha be actively involved in some specific way uh, serving the Lord. That's really what the, the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to hear. He wants us to believe. He wants us to be baptized. He wants us to serve. Uh, the laborers, the Scripture says, are few. And we want to grow in the likeness and image of Christ. And we want to have a great influence on our town that we can help a lot of those folks grow in the likeness and image of Christ. We need in our church 
a union of theory, that which is potential, and practice in all of the elements of the church. I want us to think about stewardship for a moment this morning. Uh, Let me illustrate this. When you build a bridge over a river, it begins with the theoretical work. Uh, The civil engineers and the structural engineers get together and they do all their work. They understand structures and strengths and stresses and all of that. They have the drawing boards and the blueprints, and they get together and they work and they work. The bridge first takes place on paper. People can't drive on paper, though. A paper does not link the two sides of the river. A bridge is a theory that has to be converted into reality by people that are doing uh, very real physical labor to make it happen. Only after the mental work has been done and the physical work has been done are the blueprints converted into the roadway that goes over the water. Stewardship is like that. We all have a faith in Christ. We profess that intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Stewardship allows us to relate the faith to actual situations and responsibilities. If we can do that, then we're doing really all that the Lord wants us to do. Stewardship leads the professing Christian away from the theoretical drawing board of faith to the practical places where faith makes contact with life, with the real situations that are right in front of us. Let me use another analogy this morning. Think about your automobile. Uh, When we start the engine, we think that uh, it just ought to work perfectly. We expect the car to carry us right down the roadway. The engine of the car, however, it won't take you anywhere if you're just dealing with the engine. Uh, It won't go one inch, in fact. Uh, No matter how efficiently it works, it won't take you anywhere. The power of the engine must be conveyed to the road through the transmission. Stewardship is something like the transmission system of the Holy Spirit. The power is there. The power of God has guided and sustained the church through all the ages. The power of God must be transmitted then to the roadway of life. Stewardship in the life of the church, in our lives, corporately and individually, is a means of doing just that. The trilogy of time, abilities, and material possessions face us with the total nature of Christ's claim on us. Time, abilities, and material possessions are three areas we cannot bypass as believing Christians. These are very plain areas in each of our lives and in each of the lives of the people that we're trying to reach. The educational psychologists tell us, I've read some articles on this recently, that fewer and fewer people are thinking in terms of the great big ideas. They are saying that we are becoming a more fact-oriented society. We see kind of what's right in front of us. Uh, rather than having these grandiose uh, 
ideas that we can implement. Many times in the church, we preach and teach about great ideas like grace and love and forgiveness and reconciliation, things like that. Some people don't grasp those ideas. Our preaching, our teaching sort of misfires with them. Theological concepts are, to a lot of people, detached from today and tomorrow. They are detached from the factory and the office and the kitchen. I try very hard, and I know Dr. Townsend does, to, and all of our Bible study teachers do during our Bible study hour, we try and speak to your issues of your life today. That's what we want to do. Today, I don't want to miss anybody. I want to talk with you about your time, your abilities, and your material possessions. Stewardship is one of those three areas that affects your everyday life in those ways. For over 50 years, I've talked about stewardship twice a year in churches where I've been pastoring. One year, I preached a sermon on stewardship. It was a pretty strong sermon. And I went out on Monday night to visit with some people that had visited our church the day before. When I got there and they opened the door, the lady said to me, I don't think anybody ought to talk about money at church. That's a very private matter. That was the opening sentence that I heard when I, when I went in. I tried to say as graciously as I could, there are a lot of uh, things in the Bible, a lot of verses in the Bible, about stewardship, about giving, and about money. She said, no one should tell me what to do with my money. And I said, well, we don't have the right to make up our own spiritual laws. The scripture says, as a beginning, we ought to tithe. It's not what we think, it's what the Bible says. Well, she didn't like that at all. Can you imagine that? Uh, If we all did exactly what we wanted to do, when we wanted to do it, we'd have total anarchy all across our country. I mean, total anarchy. We have laws that govern what we can do. And therefore, we have peace and order in our society. Now, in the spiritual realm, there are spiritual laws. There are things that we're supposed to go by. Most of us don't follow those laws, and our spiritual growth is stunted because of it. All of us are a little bit like the lady that I was talking with on that Monday night. We want to do what we want to do, uh, and we don't really want anybody to say anything about it. My wife has uh, MS. Now, I could go around the church, and I could hit up every one of you about money uh, to help fight MS and help find a cure for my wife. Uh, Maybe you have a favorite uh, missionary that you like that's serving somewhere around the world, and you think it would be just great if we all went to everybody in the church and sort of uh, pushed real, real hard for them to give money to our friend, uh, the missionary. Maybe you like some 
parachurch organization, and you think that we all should support that group that you just really have come to love. Well, if anybody, uh, I should say if everyone, uh, did one of those three things that I just mentioned, our church would close in about three weeks. Uh, We wouldn't have any uh, money to do anything. We have a church budget, and we vote every year to support our church budget. We give over 18% to missions. Uh, The average church gives about 5% to missions. This is a very mission-minded church, and we're trying as best we can to give as much as we can and for the church to still operate uh, at its optimum level. The Bible says we are to bring our tithes into the storehouse. Well, the storehouse uh, is the local church. Many verses in Scripture indicate that we should give as we have been blessed. More of an emphasis on that in the New Testament. Well, if we did that, then obviously many of us would give a lot more than 10%. If I'm going to preach the whole Bible... I need to preach about the stewardship of our time, our abilities, and our financial resources. The people that fuss the most about any kind of stewardship emphasis are the people that don't tithe. Uh, The people that know the joy of sacrificial giving of their time, their abilities, and their financial resources, they don't mind at all. If we talk about uh, stewardship, giving is to be done as an act of worship. I don't think uh, we ought to think about paying the light bill or the water bill or the garbage collection bill. I don't even think that we ought to uh, think and really center on on paying off uh, the bonds for our new educational building. I think we ought to bring as much as we possibly can, at least a tithe, into the house of God as an act of worship, an act of worship. You know, I've thought about doing this, and and every time I think about doing it, I decide not to, Um, but I thought about us one Sunday having a larger table here and uh, advertise it for a couple weeks, and then on a particular Sunday, have everybody walk up, put their offering on on the Lord's table, and and that maybe would help everybody to connect the idea This is worship. We're presenting uh, this to the Lord. It's an act of corporate worship that we do together. God has asked you to give sacrificially. And if we do that together as an act of worship, it's pleasing to God. God doesn't need your money, but you need to give it. And you say, well, if he doesn't need it, why should I give it? Well, it keeps us from being selfish. It keeps us from being self-centered. If you keep everything, guess what? Everything becomes interdirected. God doesn't need our abilities, but you need to give your abilities. Well, why is that? Well, God has gifted every one of us that are here this morning with some spiritual gift. Now, some of you have maybe two gifts or three gifts or four gifts. You know, some people are really blessed in that regard, but every one of us that are here today that's a Christian, every one of us has a spiritual gift, and God gave those gifts to you 
so you would use them. He wants you to use those in the furtherance of the kingdom of God. He wants you to use those that we might bring in the harvest. The laborers are few, but we can reach out with the spiritual gifts that we have. God doesn't need our time, but you need to give it. You say, well, why is that? Well, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but about 90% of the work that is done in any church is done by volunteers. You know, we have ushers that help. We have people that help out parking, and we have people that help with wheelchairs. We have people that help with uh, cleaning uh, their uh, Bible study room up after they're through in there. We have people that move chairs and do this and do that. We have these sound people that spend hours and hours and hours helping us. All of our deacons, of course, are voluntary uh, people that are giving of their time. They're volunteering. We have hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that want to help. And without them, guess what? The church does not work. We have to have them uh, to make it all happen. There is a direct relationship between joyous giving in those three areas, and spiritual maturity. The scripture says that the Lord loveth a cheerful giver. Uh, I hope that you really enjoy giving, because if you do, then it's even that much more of a blessing. I've had the joy of tithing since I was 14 years old. And you know what? Uh, I wasn't even a Christian when I was 14. Uh, this man uh, got me aside and told me all about it and said, now you need to do this. It's, it's the right thing to do. It's the biblical thing to do. And I said, okay. And I started doing it. And then when I was 15, I trusted in Christ. And then it became even more real and more joyous uh, what that was all about. Uh, God has blessed us. I love the Lord. I love this church. I know you do. And to serve, we need to serve by our time, our abilities, and our financial resources. Those are ways that we can serve. Most of the people in our church, I know this is not a surprise, do not tithe. Uh, as your pastor, I want to say to you this morning, I hope that you will. I hope that you would try it. It will bless you. The scripture says you will be blessed if you will do that. Now, guess what we're going to do now? We're going to get to the geese. Remember the geese. <laughs> do you know that when the geese fly in formation, you know in the big V in the sky, you've seen them, uh, it improves their aerodynamic uh, efficiency. Makes it all easier for them. Theoretically, 25 geese could have a range of about 60% more as compared with a single flying bird. Now, I don't know if that's true. I've read that. That's, uh, that's pretty uh, important. Uh, you know, if, if there's that much difference, that's what we ought to do. Some Christians say, you know, I really don't have much uh, need for the church or use for the church. There are a lot of hypocrites down there at the church. Uh, well... Uh, sometimes uh, these very people uh, go to a lake or they go to a mountain by themselves and they every once in a while think about God. So many 
people say, my religion is a separate thing. It's a private affair. Well, when we go off by ourselves, we lose the distance and the speed and the endurance of the formation of the church. Are are you with me? Uh, Follow the example of the geese. When we gather together and we do it as a group, it gives us great, great power to do the work that our Lord has called us to do. The next time you see geese in flight in formation, let it challenge you to join with the family of God and to move with them as a powerful army for him. Give yourself to Christ and to his church today. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Give yourself not only to the Savior, but to his plan of stewardship. Today we're going to sing a hymn. I'm going to stand down at the front. And if the Lord would lead you, the Lord would speak to your heart, then I pray that you just slip out and slip forward and take a stand for Christ today. Let's stand together as we sing. Amen.